Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of Be Still and Know, a devotional podcast for New Covenant Lutheran Church. I'm Clary Dees, and I am so glad that you're tuning in today. Wherever you are in your journey with God, I hope that he meets you here where you're at and shows you his way within these words and how he wants to do good works through you. What a great message we had to start off this week. Monday's devotional was just the levity I was needing. We've had a few pretty deep weeks with a lot of real exploring the Bible and opening up, and the clear and simple message on Monday was so refreshing. We were told to pause for a minute and take stock of all that was good and perfect in our life, which I did, and I hope that you did too. I won't take you all through my list, mainly because of how long it was, but also because what's good and perfect in my life isn't relevant to this podcast. What is relevant, though, is how important it is that we each do this on a regular basis. This process should be taught in high school. Whenever the kids get overwhelmed with exams and grades and getting into college, they should stop, take a minute, and list all that's good in their life right at that moment. The other message in the devotional was a reminder that no matter if your list is long or short, and there will be times that it's a short list, God is always there giving you gifts that are good and perfect. A bird singing, a sweet-smelling flower, a butterfly, a warm breeze, and so much more. I'll finish up this topic with the Bible verse we read on Monday from James 1. Verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Tuesday's devotional this past week talked about tears turning to joy, that there will be days and periods of time in our lives when we're sad, and during those times it might be hard to be consoled. The message then went on to remind us that there is eventual joy and that in those times we can turn to God for comfort while we wait for the sadness and pain to pass. He promises that those feelings will pass eventually. In the Bible, James writes the following at the very beginning of his letter to the Jewish believers. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Consider your troubles to be an opportunity for great joy. What a way to look at it. While we have troubles and times of sadness, God has promised that times of joy and happiness are just around the corner. Something else I thought about after reading Tuesday's devotional was that we need to experience times of sadness to truly appreciate the happy times. I know that that sounds perhaps a little crazy, but as humans, unfortunately, our nature is to sometimes take things for granted. So if we get showered by nothing but happiness and joy, we may not appreciate it and therefore not be able to truly experience it in the way God intends. If, however, we do experience times of sadness, which we're all going to at some point, we will automatically appreciate those happy times even more because of the sad times. You can't have any valleys without mountains. You don't get the easy downhill ride without slogging through the uphill first. 
Land that is vast and flat is super boring and has never interested me. But just look at the beauty created by mountains. The way the sun plays off the rock. The way that some have snow on the top year round. There is so much joy in those mountains. You just have to be in a place to appreciate it. The same way that we should appreciate the rough mountains of our lives. Because the downhill and the valley afterwards is such a beautiful reward. Additionally, while I was on the path of mountains on Tuesday, as I bounced around in scripture, something else stood out. Look at all the important events in the Bible that take place on a mountain top, and all the references to mountains and moving mountains that we can read. When Micah talks about the Lord's future reign in the fourth chapter of his book, he starts with this. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Mountains are important in our lives. They mark those times when we've been shaped and grown, just how we see in the Bible. The main difference is that we don't usually come down the other side of the mountain glowing. Wednesday's devotional was about acceptance. We read about how easy it is to find fault with each other. But the Bible says we're called to live in harmony. Jesus told us to accept each other. This has been a very hot topic of conversation in recent months, and I want to share a little from the Bible about how Jesus taught us acceptance. Not opinion, just Bible verses. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus washing his disciples' feet. In verse 13, Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. Because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. In this scripture, Jesus is telling us to treat each other the way that he treated people. Later in the same chapter, Jesus says in verse 34, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. If we look to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10 say, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and such other commandments are summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. The last verse I want to share here is this. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Give up your own way, follow the commandments, love one another. This is what Jesus told all of us to do. Thursday this week was about random acts of kindness. The devotional asked things like, when we last paid for a person at the drive through line, or held the door open for someone, or something like that. Making the parallel that the more we tune into God, the more we have a kind heart, 
and the more God is able to work in and through us. It's interesting that with the pandemic pandemic last year, things like this stopped happening. Holding a door open for someone means getting within six feet. That was a no-go. Smiling at someone at the grocery store. Can't do that from behind a mask. Paying for someone's coffee or a burger didn't happen either because most people took a financial hit. The reminder about random acts of kindness in Thursday's devotional was like a silver lining on a cloud or a light at the end of a dark tunnel. We're coming at the other side of this and it's time to pick up where we left off. Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. When we look to scripture, we can see the acts of kindness and compassion that were performed by Jesus running throughout, healing people, praying over people, sharing meals with people, teaching people, the list goes on. I think that it's time that we all dropped the habits that we've created over the past 18 months and get back to a life of showing kindness to others. The more kindness we give out, the more God can work in our own lives. Our devotional message for Friday this week was another one of those that just came at the perfect time for me. We read about how God is always there and he never sleeps. The text made mention to the times that we have maybe had to stay up all night and it gave me flashbacks of when our girls were babies. We had many, many nights where we were up all night and I remember just being so wiped out the next day. Or perhaps times when we were younger and we'd travel overnight going to see my parents in England, not able to sleep on the plane out of excitement, but then not being able to keep my eyes open long enough to get on the right time zone once we got there. God never tires, never needs to take a power nap or have another cup of coffee. He is always there and ready to help us and ready to give us the support that we need. At the end of Hebrews in chapter 13, This is what we can read in verse 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. When I looked to the Bible for a passage or two to share about God being there for us, this one just jumped out at me. Partly because of some other things that are going on around me right now, I think, but I also loved that there's a quotation from God directly, not someone else writing about something God had said. Towards the end of his time as a leader, Moses tells the people this from Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. Many of the prophets and teachers in the Bible share the same sentiment when they talk about God and how he cares for us. We can be strong and confident because he's got our back. I thought it was funny that in the devotional for Friday, it actually almost said that phrase that I've been using this whole time. The words in the text were, he's got you. Believing that God is there with us to work through everything is the easy part in my mind. Convincing my subconscious worrying is not quite as easy. People say, a lot lately, give it up to God. He wants to help and support you, and my subconscious worrying just can't let go. 
I'm working on it and devotional readings that lead me to Bible text, like I read on Friday, help a lot. I hope that those of you listening can feel God in your life and know that whatever you're dealing with, even when worry wakes you up in the middle of the night, God has your back. Saturday this week was all about seeking light in the darkness. We read about how when we're in a dark room, we instinctively search for a source of light. We then read how God's pure light can help us overcome any darkness. John 8 verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I found myself needing help to find the light a few times in the last week. While I know that the darkness I found myself wrestling with this week is small in comparison to what others deal with in the dark, it was still a rough journey in the dark nonetheless. Something that I found interesting this past week was how God broke through with his light in interesting ways. The breakthrough that stands out the most was an email from the pastor at a church we'd been attending close to our home. He was on a sermon series and felt called to switch to a new series focused on worry, stress, and anxiety. I absolutely saw this as God breaking into my darkness and shining a light for me to make it through. Something else that came to my mind as I thought about God's light was that it's not always obvious. Sometimes we have to be actively looking for his light in the darkness or we might miss it. Keep that in mind the next time you experience a dark place. Our last reading this week was about being chosen. Through it all, ups and downs, good and bad, dark and light times, we are God's chosen people. He has a specific and divine purpose for our lives and it's up to us to fulfill that purpose by listening and obeying. As I started to pray on this a bit, I felt overwhelmed. Who am I to be a chosen population? picked out individually by our God. As I think about it, it just feels so big compared to how small I am. But it's also the truth, and that is huge. It's also something that as Christians, we have to accept, because God did choose each of us, all with our own special role and purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we read this, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Peter is explaining that we, as the chosen people, are not like others. And I love that this specific snippet from scripture is inclusive of both Saturday and Sunday's messages. We're chosen and God has called us out of the darkness and into his light so that we can fulfill our destiny as it's written. I pray that this week your life is filled with light and that you have a chance to pay it forward and that God shows you a wonderful reminder of how you have been chosen. Amen.